Updog fella. Look good, feel good, play good. We got some new Adidas golf swag coming the fella's way. I don't know if any new golf swag would help your game, but, but I love it. Adidas is excited to introduce new offerings within the go-to apparel collection that allows you to bring your style to the golf course. Not the traditional golf uniform. Go-to brings a fresh attitude to the game wherever you play. You'll look good on and off the course while enjoying all the technical benefits that let you play your best. Featuring streetwear-inspired style, the go-to collection rewrites all the rules and encourages you to express your style through every swing. Explore the new go-to collection on adidas.com slash golf. Fella. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a new episode of Missing Curfew. I am one of your three handsome hosts, The Updog. I'm sitting here beside Mr. Shane O.B. O'Brien here at Action Park Studios. And we would also like to welcome our boy from Dorchester, Massachusetts, the Broadway, Jimmy Hayes. Jimmy, how you doing? I'm doing great, boys. And I like that little Massachusetts there, Uppy. It's Massachusetts, <laughs> buddy. And say it proudly, <laughs> man. The East Coast, the best coast. We know how it is over here. How are you guys doing? The boys over here on the West Coast are great, Jimmy. Yeah, Broadway. We made it through the heat wave. The ocean breeze is back at my my house that I pay unbelievable property tax for. So it's nice to have that breeze back. Let's talk about the Bues for his birthday. I saw some on the Instagram. Like it looked like oh, a pretty yeah, chicken. big bad bow. He turned oh, one, man. and we had uh, we had an awesome theme party there. It was the notorious B E A U. We had all the balloons. Bow looked like a little G. It was a fun time. We had a bunch of friends and uh, family down there, and it was. How are all the mums looking? Yeah, good question. I'm the only guy in the crew with the baby right now, so it's a lot of girlfriends down there. But my mom and uh, Kristen's mom, you know, they, they brought their egg game. They had big smiles on. They mm-hmm. sure do. I remember your wedding. I know I know what kind of group you guys hang out with down there. Some good-looking Massachusetts babes there. My invite must have got lost in the mail for that wedding, by the way, Broadway. I'm still kind of waiting. <laughs> How about that wedding party? The house the group of girls had at your wedding party when we went full Project X at that. <laughs> Project the X party? The yeah, we had the speakers in the kitchen. We had you up on the island of the kitchen spraying the water out of the hose on everybody. Oh, I mean, yeah. No one had their shirts on. Girls were dancing in their heels up on the island counter. It was, I mean... Could you picture a better after party for your wedding? Or- I wasn't expecting to be walking home that late on wedding night. The pictures I did see, everyone was leaking. So I just thought, <laughs> I, knew a, I knew it was a sick dance party. I saw one picture, Matt Gell, his hair's leaking, you're leaking, up dogs, tarps off. I'm like, these guys oh, were Oh, yeah. The boys, the boys gave it a nice proper send. That's what I like to say for sure on that. It would have been good to have O'Brien in the old O'Brien style, not in the one where he's on his uh, his his thirty Still got day that hiatus going. From, from a cup of whiskey here. So he's been what is it, day thirteen? No, I'm at the halfway point, day fifteen of the whole challenge. And I'll tell you what, the one of the worst parts about it is playing golf sober. You need a little swing lube to get you going. Like oh, up, yeah. you know, I like a cocktail to, to start the round and at the turn and a few out there. So that's been the hardest part. But I, I think I've lost a few pounds. I'm a little scared to yeah, look. No, you're on looking the, sharp. Ah, you're looking sharp. I, I know it's affected his Friday golf game, though, Jimmy. He was my partner last Friday, and I'm like, I'm like, do I need to fucking sneak a drink in here or what? You should have drank. See, at least my handicap's going up, Broadway. I went up to a seven. That's so smart. I'll take that's, that extra pop. Boy, so, fellas, what's up? I just wanted to say, Obi, when do I get to come out and play? What is it? 
Big, big Canyon, Canyon Country like Club. To play Big Canyon. I mean, listen, I've been hitting them. I know you've been hitting them. I'm impressed. <laughs> you got the you got the dedication. You're playing before you come into work. You're teeing off at like six and thirty in the morning. I don't know. Is he ever here at the? I, I know we when we're here, he's here like hard working. But fuck, all the time he's <laughs> we're talking to him, he's on the track. Tee off at six forty eight. We're out the door in the office at nine forty five. That's, that's unbelievable. That's that's, that's awesome. Con said he may or may not have cracked a Coors Light at six thirty, which I don't even got, care. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the same thing. Whatever. It's, you got, you need a couple out there to loosen you up. Beer when I'm playing golf. I don't, I don't care who's fucking watching. No. I will fucking crack a Coors Light at six forty. I'm the same way, Con. I had a, I had a transfusion seven forty during my turn the other day. You know, you gotta get those nerves going. You swing a lot better when you got the little booze in you. And also, too, I thought I'd get some funny looks. I didn't get even. I don't even really get funny looks. People get it. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone that plays golf realizes this guy's smart he's cracking one early to get the little swing lube going because i tell you what me and up you have a couple of buddies that play sober all the time mike and Channy and jeff gale will give him a shout out and i text them both i'm like i got a new appreciation for playing golf sober boys i don't know how you do it i'm just it's not much fun that's probably why mikey struggles out of the bunker sometimes <laughs> usually if you fucking leave one in the bunker you just go have a just fresh crack you just look for <laughs> that bear is half gone before you get there i'm new to the game I'm having a tough time with the bunker. You got to get that weight on the left side, Cons. We can help you with the bunker. As long as you're not a slow player, Cons, no one's going to give you the stink guy out of the course. people tell me to slow down. (laughs) I might have a confession here, boys. I was known as a slow player, so I had to pick up the pick. No, slow when it comes to, like, I stand over the ball too long, so I overthink it. I, I I won't hold up the group, but I'm slow when it gets to me. Do you like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to make the pace of the round go down, but I just sit there and stand over the ball, which is probably an issue why. I shank so many. The question is, how many warm-up swings? I'm a one warm-up swing. I got to clip the grass. I used to have like a checklist, and I, I don't oh, want to no. waste. I don't want to waste your time with a checklist. But now I narrowed it down to two things. I've gotten better. <laughs> we are at Action Park Studios. Kevin Connolly, and he's here after a, a pretty big night in Kevin Connolly household, right? With the uh, fucking Islanders taking on the Philadelphia Flyers last night. Sorry, oh, Jimbo. Man. I was saying these guys, like I don't know. It's kind of weird on the group text talking to Islanders Flyers. I mean, like, it's Jimmy's brother, right? So it's, like, <laughs> it's not like it's his buddy or his boy. It's his brother, right? So, I, you know, I'm like, yeah, Family first. Of course, family first. Got to be a long series. I was like, might not be that long. I try to be group chat sensitive. If Jimmy can find a way to cheer for the Philadelphia Flyers being from Boston, I mean, it's he must have a brother on the team. So I think it's... He's the star of the team. He's yeah, the he's, he's, star he's, of the team. Is right. He's looking and we, well right now. He's looking good. He's we scary. need more guys to be the star of that team because uh, he needs a little help. And we saw that running into a buzzsaw last night, the Barry Trotz wagon buzzsaw. Oh. We sure did. I know we'll talk Flyers and Islanders more later on, but he's going to need some more help with that team if they're going to if they're going to give this team a go because this Islanders team they're looking a lot better than expected. They're a wagon, yeah. So we saw today Broadway that Torch finally got fined for that. <laughs> you got fined twenty five thousand, which is the standard for the for the thing. So we're we're going to talk press conferences a little bit here. Which one did he get fined? So he for? finally got fined <laughs> for the one that you were talking about that happened last it week. So he finally just the press conferences, dealing with it throughout your career, like good, bad. Should the boys have to talk to the press after they lose the series? What do you guys think on that? Listen, Torts gives us some of the best and some of the worst interviews ever. Yeah. I think the ones in New York where he used to grab that one guy. Brooksy. Larry Brooks. <laughs> Pretty much just close from either punching him or calling him a pussy, yeah. right? The one time he's like, Brooksy, you were probably the kid that got beat up at the bus stop in school, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think many guys are fans of him. I think um, Boyle. I think, I he, I think him and Brooksy went out one time and Boyle just basically 
just told him to shut the fuck up. I would imagine it's emotional. The thing about the torch thing, to me, I get it. Some of these questions that these guys ask are ridiculous. But the question that set him off was actually legitimate. Yeah. What was it like? What do you take from the bubble experience? That's a fair enough question. It, you know, it's... Yeah, you just said, can your can your team grow from this bubble experience? And, and well, how would you grade it? And listen, I had torts for two years in Tampa. And listen, I love him. He's a passionate guy. I think he's an excellent coach. And, and like you said, Uppy, he used to have these press conferences where they were funny and fiery and like passionate. Now he just walks away. So I, I think it's a bad look for him. And I, I just think you got to answer the questions at the end of the series. But he's just getting crustier as he gets older, I think. Yeah, I think it was either stung from just being in the bubble, being bored, not being able to be full. Just him getting kicked in the nuts and leaving, having to leave <laughs> home early is, is, is <laughs> shitty. They ran into Tampa. Tampa played better than them. Game one, if that goes either way, fucking the fifth yeah. overtime, it might have a different tune to the whole series. But he's, you know, bitter Tortsy. Uh, now he's down 25K. I'm sure he could have used that for uh, <laughs> I think Tortsy hates Canada too because I found out when he coached for the Canucks that he actually lived on the other side of the border on the uh, Seattle side, which is like an hour and a half drive to the rink. So maybe the bubble <laughs> life, living in tax Canada, reasons, tax reasons, just Torts is a big fan of Canada. He doesn't like Tim Hortons, I well, guess. It's up still going to rain there and you don't get any of the Canadian chicks. I, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Is he ever nice to people? I, I don't think I've ever seen him have like, a, I don't know, tender is the right word. I, I've never seen him have like a nice moment with like one of his players. That just... Hardest well, thing? Does he say nice things in the locker rooms I'm, ever? No, he doesn't. I mean, he ripped me my first year. He like he was overly nice to me, and he told me at my year end meeting like, "Oh, next year is going to be a different thing." And I was like, "All right, well, fuck." He wasn't lying, man. I came back next year. Like at the end of every period, he would come in and grab me. I remember the one time he'd come right in, Obi, let's fucking go. Pull me in into the video room, and he'd be like, "Nigel, run that clip." And the clip was about to start. He's like. You know what? Fuck it. Don't watch that clip. I can't watch that fucking shit again anyways. Get out of my room. Like, I'm like, so I sit down, get out, sit down, get out. Like, But when you, cons, honestly, when you play hard, he, he respects you and, and, and he has your back. But if he doesn't like what you, he'll tell you. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, Obes, and that's exactly right what you said there with, when you play hard. Because I've had some buddies that uh, played for him. And that's what he said. Like, he's fair. He kind of draws down the line with what he wants from you. And if you're doing what he expects out of you and you're playing hard, he's going to be a fair coach to you. I feel like guys that are willing to block shots and play that check and roll and play hard all the time are the guys that thrive underneath Tortorella. So, Obi, you got to tell us a story about him catching you uh, at the Tampa Bay Devil Race spring training <laughs> no, game. Yeah. Okay. So it was, as Collins knows, the Yankees have their spring training in Tampa. So it was an afternoon <laughs> tilt. It was Tampa, Boston. Torts is a New England guy. So me and Paul Ranger were like, let's go check the game out after practice. So we show up and we get absolutely baked in the parking lot. So we go in. I go right to, <laughs> I go, I go right to the concessions. Two foot longs. Two huge beers. Long story short. Long story short, Broadway. We can't find our seats. So we go down and up and down and up. <laughs> Next day we come in for, for pre-scout. And Torts is like, the whole team's there. Torts is like, uh, you know, we've had this Shane O'Brien. We've been all over about being a pro and getting mature. And, you know, by the looks of it, he's really learned his lesson. He's really being a pro. And then Broadway in front of the whole team, he shows the clip of me walking up and down the aisle at the Tampa Red Sox games with two footlongs and two massive beers in front of the whole squad. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's got to be, that's got to be expected out of you, right? On video in front of the whole team, I was just like, it was actually hilarious. I was looking through YouTube when you guys started talking about pressers. And I went through and I watched some of your, you know, in Broadway and up at you guys. <laughs> did. And by the oh, way. 100% I did. You should, right? But, have, you know, all the folks in deep and all, all the, all the <laughs> that's, terms. That's because I was not answering questions about porn stars. <laughs> 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 I'm going to keep it. Uh, no comment. 
we were going through a massive losing streak in Vancouver. We lost like eight or nine at home, which as Broadway and up, you know, is a lot in the NHL, especially in the oh, Canadian yeah. market. And um, I got bag skated in the morning, which for you guys out there, listeners, it's just, you get skated into the ground. They, they skate the bag off you. That's why they call it. And I came in and I remember who the guy was, Farhan Lalji with TSN, got the ball rolling and saw I was just steaming. And then if you want to play a cons, Wait, this is... On. Just, so, just so we have an idea. So the morning skate happens like a few hours before the game. It stretched the legs. Right? Yeah, yeah, so the morning yeah. skate... Yeah, I just sweat off the beers. Sweat off the beers, get the booze out. In Vancouver, the media hangs around and I, I got back skating quickly because the visiting team is coming on after you. I'm not playing, so... It's a healthy scratch, like, the, like healthy scratch. The, the extra guys, yeah. And then I came back and the media was lingering around and they saw I was brewing... And they came over, and, and if you want to run the clip, this is what happened. Last week, Shane O'Brien showed his frustration in practice by going after his own teammate. But his problem wasn't with Willie Mitchell. It was with the fact that he knew he would be a healthy scratch on Saturday versus Minnesota, a situation that is clearly not sitting well with him. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say all the right things. That well, I'm just happy to be part of the team. I mean, I want to play. I want to improve as a player. I want to stay in the league as long as I can. And you can't do that from uh, from the press box. I'm happy he's not happy. And uh, hopefully the next time he gets in the lineup, he'll play well for us. I'm not asking to be a first unit power play for 25 minutes a night. I'm just, you know, I like to I like to be, you know, for them to trust me and put me on the ice. And when they couldn't put me out there in the third period, the last two games, and, you know, if you can't put a guy on the ice in the third period, then maybe he shouldn't even be here. So I'm just frustrated and, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't be saying the things I'm saying, but I'm just being honest with you guys. O'Brien's level of frustration was not eased by a recent one-on-one with Alan Vino. A meeting in which O'Brien says he was told he needed to drop the mitts more often. Another right from O'Brien. They just questioned my physical play and, uh, you know, why I hadn't been in a fight in over a month and stuff like that. And uh, to be honest with you and to be honest with them, I just said I wasn't really focused on that. I was just trying to be a player. And if someone came in in my way or took liberties on my teammates, then uh, like I've done my whole career, I'm going to get in there. Does it bother you that they would maybe expect you to go out there and fight? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, fighting is, is a thing that it's not fun. I I didn't grow up say, oh, I want to get to NHL so I can fight every night. I mean, I, I, I grew up so I can play. And, uh, you know, when, when management says uh, fighting is the reason you're here, then, you know, you got to look yourself in the mirror and maybe, uh, maybe it's not the situation you thought it was. Amazing honesty, man. Those answers are electric. And I, <laughs> I agree with you with all that stuff. Like, so someone like me, like, I'm a big guy and playing in Boston. People thought I was going to come in and replace Lucic. And I was wanted Lucic, the guy, I think he had 30 fighting majors to my two at the time. Like, I wasn't fucking Luchit. That guy's a, he's an animal. He's an unbelievable player. He was great in Boston. But I think like that, like you said, if, if people start expecting you to fight, then I, I don't know. It's just, it's changing the game too now. But obviously this was you back in your day. But I, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't agree with that. Like coaches telling guys to go out there and fight. You, you know how to do it. You're not afraid to do it. You've proved you've done it your whole career. It's just nice to see guys come up and speak their mind, like Con said, and not the typical. You know, we're good on the forecheck. We all got to buy in. We got to do this. We got to do that. You know, when you finally get a guy that's pissed off and he speaks his mind and fucking, uh, you have all the media guys kind of back it and create a nice story, especially when things aren't going well. That's that's hockey. That's sports. That's well, everything it, gets it should be. Fired up too, right? How long before you got back in the game? <laughs> 
Well, yeah, no, hey, Broadway, thank God I was on the one way making two bananas. Eh? They couldn't send me anywhere. It makes it a lot they easier. Send me anywhere, Broadway. No, so I get home, boys. I have a little afternoon shutdown, as the boys like to do. And then the phone starts ringing. The agent, they're like, I can't believe you brought up fighting. Mike Gillis is pissed because the Todd Bertuzzi thing. They're still going through lawsuits. So the, it was a shit show. I had to, then the next day, I had to go and apologize to the whole media. And it was, it was a whole big thing. And, but I was pissed because we had players' meetings. And the first thing they said to me is like, when's the last time you've been in a fight? Are you, and the thing that really pissed me off Broadway and ups is they said, are you cutting deals out there? And as you guys know, like uh, that's the that's biggest the fucking thing you're ever doing. They mean like you're not fighting. So you're out there like with the other guys that fight being like buddy or buttering them up. And like, yeah, it's yeah. what happens in today's NHL. Yeah. Just being like, buddy, buddy with everybody. Kind of like yeah. I did. <laughs> I would only do it if fucking Lupul was out there, but then he'd fucking cross check me in the back and it became a war. Yeah. Obi was talking about, remember when we were with Big Luch, Obi would say, oh yeah, I'd start buttering him up during warmups. I would butter Luch <laughs> up. I would butter Luch up for sure. But at this point, I was just like, when he said that I had like 10 majors, I was like top five in fighting. Uh, yeah, that's bullshit. So it was, it was definitely a learning curve. And then, but I'm glad I said it. I feel like the NHL is a little bit behind in other leagues, whereas like they're branding their players and stuff. Do you feel like that's a, a factor in why guys give those answers? Yeah, I think it's just a lot of nerdy like media reporters who ask kind of the same stupid questions a lot of the time. And basically, you're trained as a young kid. It's it's almost like you're a robot to kind of you know put the team first, uh, take responsibility, pretty much. You answer the same questions all the time. So it becomes yeah. repetitive. You play 82 games. It's not like you play 16 games and you got to answer questions every Tuesday and Saturday before the game. You know, this is every other day. Uh, if things don't go well, you just don't want to put you or your teammates in a bad spot by answering a dumb question or saying something stupid. And I think nowadays, a lot of these guys, like with these young kids, they're all the same. So like if one kid pops off, I'm sure there's a guy in the American League that could step right in and probably makes the same contract. And there's just so much parity in the league that these guys are, they're kind of handcuffed what they can say in the media because they don't want a reason for some young kid to come up and take their job because yeah. veterans don't last that long, especially a forward. Like you said, people want to walk that line because you don't want to give a reason to send you down. Some Like I was in Boston. I, obviously, I said everything right. I mean, I was making two and a half bananas, like you'd say, Obes. And I was still walking on eggshells on a three-year deal, which is kind of crazy when it comes to that. Hey, we got to touch on this while the media, we're talking about the media, but there's one episode. I remember I was, I think I was in uh, Phoenix at the time and we get the text coming on our phone. Have you heard about this O'Brien <laughs> thing? Uh, so morning radio station in Vancouver sets up like this call in the morning on the morning sports radio because O'Brien, it was late for a pregame skate. No, no, I was late for practice. I was late for, I was late for <laughs> practice. Late? The worst part about it, as uh, Broadway and up people know, it was coming off a day off. So we had Sunday Ooh. off. I went Kevin Connolly style by myself in every bar in Vancouver. Like I hit every <laughs> bar by myself. Hey, O'Brien, you want a drink? I said, yeah, I want a drink. So next thing I know, Broadway, <laughs> I'm stumbling home and I'm like, I'm going by the Roxy. And my, my inner guy's like, don't poke your head in there. But the Irishman's like, poke your head. So I go in and I meet a couple broads, obviously. It gets going. Long story short, I show up 10 minutes before practice. AV doesn't let me go on the ice. And then I'm back home in the afternoon and one of our good friends, Jason Lombardo, who lived in just outside Vancouver, he's texting me. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, how do you know what's going on? He's like, how do I know what's going on? I got Sportsnet 650 on right now and they're having a call-in show. If you've seen Shane O'Brien yesterday, let us know where he is. People are calling in like, I saw him at Yelltown Brewery. I saw him at Republic. I saw him at the Chart House. I saw him like global. Like they went fucking 20 bars deep. Four 
Yeah, Hoover Media is tough. That's like the Yankees. That's like New York or Boston or whatever. Like they're all over their players, right? All over. And then I get suspended two weeks with pay. But I, <laughs> I missed the, I missed the LA Anaheim road trip where I had a couple things lined up. But if you're that's a tough a road of, trip to miss. If you're gonna do a night of just getting goon, Vancouver's such a good spot. You got Yale Town. You just walk bar to bar to bar. It's best road city, probably. Oh, it's right? One I'll of be. the best. Uppy. We did. We went back to back rookie parties in that. Uh, in that city in Vancouver. Oh, we did. Obi was that one. I was he awesome. sure was. That's a great story. I don't know how I never heard that. That was awesome. He basically went on a bar crawl. And he got <laughs> By himself. I went Connolly on trust. By myself. Oh, that's National League shit. Right? Yeah, so it wasn't, but it wasn't a pregame skate, right? No, no, no. Okay, we didn't play until the following day, but it was coming off a day off. So, yeah, so we landed late Saturday night. And then I got up Sunday morning and I just went like all day. Like in Vancouver, you couldn't grab a guy. I was texting the boys. I said, boys, you're looking to go for you. No, they said no. And I was like, this is my second year in van. So I knew the city and the people knew me. (laughs) And I was getting the, I was getting the (laughs) calling treatment, like going by myself, like, Hey, Obi, like I go sit down with them, have a couple with them. Like move on to the next bar. It was it was actually pretty good. But do I do that, Obi? Do I go bar hopping by myself? Why do you keep saying it? Shaking hands after games, Jimmy Hayes. What do you think? This is uh, this this sort of tradition's been around. I actually looked it up. It's been around for over a hundred years. Art Ross in 1908, playing with the Montreal Wanderers back in the day. Actually, the Stanley Cup was still given out back then. He shook the hand of one of his teammates who had uh, his wife die in a car accident. I looked this stuff up. So this has been around for over a hundred years. Nice up. Do you believe wow. it's? Uh, what do you guys think? Is this something that should be still done? I mean, if, if it's like you're going out to battle against these guys, you battle it out truthfully. I've always enjoyed that part win or lose it's almost like you're given everything you got no matter if i absolutely hated a guy or not you kind of just appreciate the fact that they're getting to move on to play for the cup which is the fucking ultimate goal in hockey and trust me i hated a lot of fucking guys out there so you know even with all the violence that happens and that was more so why why they did it back then because hockey was so fucking violent i mean back in the day it was like Sticks were used as goddamn weapons. And <laughs> there was no video of it, really. So oh, it would be like, days. did you hear about that motherfucker that took the guy's eye out with a stick and then shook his hand after the game? Yeah. I love that tradition, Uppy. I think it's really cool that hockey, um, only in the playoffs, you know, you, you do your own team handshake at the end of the game during the regular season when you win. And like you said, I think it's a huge sign of respect from on the losing team. You know, you, you're going to go out there, you're going to battle. Tons of shit is going to happen during the series. And then when you, when you lose... You take that loss and you got to go shake the guy's hand, especially you, get, you have buddies. But like you said, friends ain't friends in games. And, I, um, you know, I think there's been like a lot of different feuds that happened during the playoffs and in some history. Do you guys remember any feuds that have happened with guys recently? Like, I, I love that shit. When you see something go on, like in game one or two and a series goes to seven and they got to go shake hands and you sit there and wait for the anticipation of that. I remember my boy Brandon Prust absolutely KOing his old teammate Derek Stepon. <laughs> Like when played for Montreal against against the Rangers, and basically step on after the series, shook his hand and said, you know, he was sorry he did it. I know, but you know, the game's the game, and and we're moving on. It's like it's it's part of the match. And he's saying that with a broken jaw, I can't even speak. And that sort of thing just it goes a long way. It says a lot for hockey players in general. There's still a feud. It's not like there won't be a, a fucking another match and another battle and another scrap. So I, Yeah, guys aren't going to forget it. That's the one thing too. As a fan, watching the handshake after what you know has been a knockdown drag out series to me is what separates hockey players from other pros. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing. But then you can't help but to watch two guys right? yeah that you know like don't like each other you never really hear the coach thing but the um 
Barry Trotz and uh, Reardon. Oh, oh yeah, that was Trotz. that was a quick little cold handshake there. <laughs> I mean, aren't there a couple of famous stories of guys telling some people to fuck off on during handshake? Who was the, well, the, the big yeah, one? Yeah, the one I remember was when Claude Lemieux drilled Draper from behind into the boards, and like you guys remember that. And um, Dino Cicerelli after the series is like, I can't believe I shake that yeah, fucking guy. That's like a famous quote. Yeah, so that was the one that jumped out to me when we were talking about it. And I was just thinking throughout my career, boys, the one guy when I played for Nashville, we played Vancouver and they beat us in six. And it was hard because it was my ex-team, but Maxim LaPerriere, that was the one guy like going through the handshake that I shook his hand, but I fucking really didn't want to be in Broadway. Like, and after I did it, I shook his hand, but I I didn't want to because he he just, I mean, I I probably would have taken him on my team, but that was the one guy I was like, fuck, I can't believe I shook his hand. Avery and Brodor, did they shake hands? Oh, no, I, I don't know. I think Brodor skipped him. I think Brodor skipped yeah. him. Sure, he did. Billy Smith, the legendary Islander goalie, refused to shake hands, never did a handshake in his entire career. Wow. Skated off. What a beauty. He would, and he would wait and then he would come back out with a bud can and celebrate <laughs> with his teammates on the ice. But he wouldn't shake hands. Now, <laughs> say the social ten- media, if he tried to do that today, he'd get fucking torched. He just didn't really notice it and he just didn't really care. But I think it's a great tradition. You wonder, though, at times you're like, you know, these guys don't like each other and you suck it up. And how hard is it really to shake somebody's hand? Like you said, it took it was a half a second. Yeah, it's stung, though. But you're right, because it's what makes our sport great. And it really does. What separate hockey? It's what separates hockey players yeah. from the rest of the league. Because I don't know that that would happen. in a- Yeah. And it's so nice, as you both know, like when you win a series and you shake their hand, like it's the best feeling in the world because you respect those guys. But you'd be like, you know, great series. We you know, we were moving on kind of thing. So that feels cool. Yeah, I, I love that tradition of the shaking hands. I only made the playoffs three times. The one time <laughs> I was in the game, I was playing against, uh, it was my first year. I was with Chicago playing Phoenix and Quinville before the game basically told me just to make sure I was running around hitting guys, bring some energy to the team that night. And I guess I brought a little too much energy and I ended up running Roosevelt from behind and I got kicked out of the game. So then I was sitting in the locker room once the game's over and the series is over. I'm just like, fuck, do I put my gear back on? Like, I want to get out there and shake the hands. Like, that's the coolest part. But instead, I just <laughs> sat my ass in the fucking locker room because I was too young and didn't know what the fuck to do. Did just, you have a couple drinks? No, I was just sitting there like a pussy. I was like, fuck me. Did I, I think I fucked this up. Like, God damn it. You get the, no, you get the five-minute major and you sit in the locker room and you just hand that. <laughs> I agree nothing, Phoenix. Are there ever beers in the locker room? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> there's, a, there's a massive beer fridge. Especially really? in the back. The trainers oh, yeah. like to keep all the Trainer. beers in the back. In St. Louis, which was just an all-time veteran club, we had a back room that was like the stick room. It was just stockpile with Bud Lights, obviously being a Budweiser town. And it was two couches, but we had these super thin walls. And fucking Hitch used to come walk down after the games. And there'd be most games where boys are just in there <laughs> either chirping each other, chirping, chirping Hitch. <laughs> and fucking we could hear him coming. We'd be, we'd be like, all right, boys, he's coming. The walls are so fucking <laughs> Shut up and start just talking about pussy or something. When Don't Obi, crack When Obi was playing for the Avalanche, I, I went to meet him after a game and I walked into the locker room and then Obi and you never saw Obi he fucking jumped he's like Cons I don't think Sack is a big fan of the goose and soda in the locker room <laughs> I was like oh fuck I'm sorry I like fucking tucked it under the hit it under. yeah Cons came in the year before in the Staples Center with Nashville and goose and soda we want a big yeah, game yeah but that's LA LA and then in Denver he's wheeled in I'm like Cons you might 
ah, sack it, game. Fuck, we're in a tough stretch here. Maybe toss that goose and soda. We'll get a couple after the game, after we get out of here. <laughs> but I think the, one of the best beers ever cracked is uh, that beer when you're sitting in the sauna with the boys and just hot stove in the game and oh, talking yeah. shit. Like, that's that's one of the best beers to be cracked. You sit there and just love it. And especially when you're one of the younger guys and you love just getting in there with some of the vets and hearing some of their stories. Just Andrew Brunette was one of the best guys to have a beer with in the, in the I sauna. I heard he was great. Just balls out in the sauna. Fucking, hey, Danish guys, they stay in there for an hour after and drink like 12 beers yeah it's and insane they do back home too they don't they don't even go out to clubs i'll be played there they don't even go out to clubs they just go to these fucking hot saunas I, yeah. they love I, it it's awesome i got a story about finland so i go over there in like january after new year's in aspen with loops and the boys my agent calls me he's like you want to play hockey i'm like fuck so i go over there <laughs> i go no i go no booze no nothing i gotta lose weight for like the first month and a half so finally the Finns guys are like come on man like come out and drink with us it's a team party I'm like, all right, I'm thinking team party. What do we do up, dog? We go to this sauna where it's all dudes, buck naked, drinking beer. I'm like, boys, this is not how we do it in the National League, which is a team party here. So I go to, I go to, I'm going back to Aspen. I go to text. I go text. Do you know anyone in Helsinki? He's like, I do. I'm like, let's go. Get it. We're going to Helsinki right now. I see enough dudes in the fucking dressing room. Team party with dudes in a sauna? Come on, that's not NHL Broadway. That's not that's not National League. That's the furthest thing from National League. How many times you got to see each other naked here? So this is a yeah. Obviously, we're shooting the shit here, which is great because we are what you call a uh, locker room fucking shooting the shit type of podcast, and we love doing that for you guys. We hope you enjoy it. But we're also on a we're on a little kick of things. We've been asking some some fans stuff uh, through our Instagram live. Everyone seems to be asking the same thing: some drinking stories, some. Stories and, and whatnot, but we're just we're, we're bringing at you kind of things that we uh, along the way, kind of stuff that we do. And Obi and I mentioned this thing, which is uh, not many people know, is there's a first and a second bus on the way to these NHL games, which is which is something you do as a as a younger guy, as an older guy. Most old guys kind of go to the rink early, get prepared, get the old bones. You know, shoot the shit with the trainers, have coffee, get a couple of Red Bulls in you. Younger guys usually sleep in. They can sleep for two, three hours. Uh, later lunches, maybe play a game of video games or something before they head over. But Obi, what were you? Were you a, a first or second bus? Yeah, I, w- I was interested in what you guys thought about this too. I was always a second bus guy in my career. I mean, you know, I wasn't in a big hurry to get over the rink. And, you know, we're staying at the Four Seasons or the Ritz-Carlton. They have a nice little snack. Maybe you go down to the lobby after and see what's going on down there. But I was just thinking in these bubble games when these kids got to go early and then it goes into overtime. Like for me, up being Broadway, like I was less like, I like to go to the rink, get there, warm up, you know, you do your meetings and play. So for me, I was a second bus guy. The less I thought about the game was better for me. I was the opposite. I was a first bus guy. I mean, I love taking my sweet ass time when I was getting to the rink. I like to take a little shower when I got there, go in the oh. hut. I'd go sit with the trainers in the back of the room and just shoot the shit with everybody. You know I mean? I can I can't stop talking to people. People just want me to get shut the fuck up. But then I, I just love to get there early and, you know, just play my two-touch, drink my coffee, and just, I love being there. It was a lot of fun. And I was a first bus guy, 420 right there. I get there, 420 every time. 420? Yeah, yeah, oh, shit, no point in there. Fox Broadway. <laughs> the night after a game, so you're going out. Let's say it's your Saturday night, you're in Montreal. Is there a collective look amongst the boys, like, let's fucking hustle. We'll get in the fucking shower and get out of here. Oh, oh yeah. yeah! Great point, Cons. If yeah, you're flying the out, game is a much different. Yeah, story. if you're flying oh, out yeah. and going into another city, you're like, boys, hurry up, 
We'll ice on the plane. No Do cool. your fucking stretching. Let's go. Ice on the bird. We're getting to Montreal at one o'clock. So let's dig. Obi, do your presser and let's get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Hey, I was always first guy on the room. Ups, tell the story of when we were playing in LA and we we wanted to get a go down to getting Bootsy Bellows on a Tuesday. We actually were meeting cons there. Cons met us at Bootsy Bellows. Tell the story about fun. how fast we got out of that rink, out of the Staples Center. Well, you're pretty much on your LA trip which happens once a year, especially for us East Coasters playing in Florida. You only got one kick at the can here. So you only got one kick at maybe a night in Hollywood or uh, a day off in Anaheim to go tee it up at Big Canyon. But in this case, Jimmy, yeah, it's it's boys. Katsuya's shutting down their sushi bar at fucking 11.30 sharp. Let's get up there. Let's order a couple fucking Toro hand rolls and let's get right over to Bootsy Bellows. sitting down at 11.30. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember Kulikov had texted me and Uppy saying, where are you guys? We were already in West Hollywood, and he was just getting back to the hotel on the team bus. Like, That's how fast we got out of that rink. You're damn right, baby. Take the 10 right up there, and you fucking... <laughs> oh, yeah. And let's, and let's go. I went, on a, <laughs> I went on a road trip with the Islanders, and it was a Florida trip. And, you know, we had the night off was in Miami. So I was in the locker room like, you guys got to fucking hustle. You got to go. <laughs> <laughs> what you doing? Who are you talking to? Who is that? Hey, talk to him. Get in the shower. Get on the fucking bus and let's get out of here. But it wasn't for me. We'd still be sitting in the fucking locker room. Exactly. Con, for a night, we had a time. Con, <laughs> I was going to say, they let you show up with a bunch of guys. Because I remember we had an end of the year party one time in Florida. And we showed up with 15000 cash, gave it to the guy at the door. And that almost wasn't enough. And I was like, what? 15,000 fucking cash. The stack was fucking this high. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, it's been a, it's been a battle with Obes for years, for 10 years. I'm telling him, you gotta, you just gotta keep your eye on the dudes. Experience for everybody. Five dudes is like, push it. 15 dudes, you better know somebody. No, I yeah, would never. You gotta know somebody. You gotta have 15,000 cash. Jimmy, who started that out though? You start that. You started that whole thing up, buddy. That was we fucking figured that you, out. We had you the figured that out real quick. I mean, we well, the guys are guessing yeah. girls. Well, you just go look at the fucking line. Just take out ten rockets right there. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, exactly. why don't you just grab some broads and bring them in with you? About fifteen. Well, it was a team party. It was a team party. Fifteen thousand goes quick. Oh, I bet. Hey, that was a sick night, though. I'll tell you that. So let's let's dive into some playoff hockey here. Uh, we're into the second round. We're going to start with the Blues first, getting bounced by the Canucks. I want to give a shout out to, obviously, Ryan O'Reilly. It seems like I do it every episode, but the guy was unbelievable. The one problem I have is with the Blues was, you know, an Appia Broadway. I want to get your opinion on this is they don't bring back Patty Maroon. You win a Stanley Cup, hometown boy. He was looking for a one-year contract, I think at $2 million. Like, as an old veteran player, it just pisses me off that a guy like that is not there. And I think that hurt the Blues. I know it's a different situation, but... I think Patty, not having Patty Maroon hurt them a bit. Yes, I agree with you 100%. That's uh, a guy that I got a chance to play with uh, in New Jersey for the playoffs. That's what we did. We traded for a playoff. And he's the definition of a playoff guy. He's a big body who is unbelievable below the goal line, holds on the puck, makes great plays. He's a guy you can put on the power play. He's a guy that can play on the third and fourth line. He brings the energy. I know he might not move as well as some of these quick guys, but he brings a huge aspect in the playoffs. And I think the Blues are missing that type of guy. And he's a great guy in the locker room. Call it what it is, but Doug Armstrong makes decisions at the end of every season that most of the time it might not make sense to the group. I think methodically he he had to you know pick apart pieces of his team that they need to address. They need to add a defenseman. They needed to you know they needed to pay. They were paying Bennington. They needed to they need to find room for you know for some younger guys to come up. Jordan Cairo, who you know he didn't do much in the he did fuck all he yeah. did fuck all. Yeah. But, yeah. I didn't um, know the name. <laughs> Who's that? But yeah, boys, the Blues were 
they were disappointing. They were they were one of my teams. I had uh, I had going all the whole way, and uh, you know, a team that gave us something super magical last year. It was so exciting to watch. But you know, Bennington, unfortunately, Jordan Bennington really didn't provide them with the spark they needed. The spark that he gave them last year. He was uh, I think he was zero and six in the playoffs this year. Carried the cup hangover right into uh, right into this into the bubble, and unfortunately, without guys like Alex Steen, who yeah. provided so much depth on the back end, you know, telling a guy that's played top six his whole career, you know, in the midseason last year to go play, you know, with Oscar Sundquist and and Ivan Barbashev, and then them providing like this this absolute uh, you know chip for their team that had that had the whole you know whole team buzzing throughout the playoffs last year. Not having that depth, you know, and having to rely on Ryan O'Reilly and and Schwartzy and Ryan Schwartzy and, was sick. Yeah, and yeah, these guys. Player. It was just a tough, uh, a tough bounce for them. But they'll regroup this summer and they'll be uh, they'll come back. But a lot of guys like Shenner played his fucking ass off. It's nice to see my boy Bertuzzo get in there in the last couple. Of games <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and flash a few guys and get those those boots moving. So he's a guy were, that's uh, stuck around a lot, huh? He's a, he's made himself a. He's a glue every, guy. Yeah, he made himself an every. He's made himself an everyday NHL defenseman. He he he's a guy that I I would love to have on my team. He, he like you said, Obes. He kind of reminds me of the way you play. He plays hard. He fights. Great guy to be around. Guys love him. And it's just uh, he's a guy that I think uh, teams are going to benefit. And winning the cup is uh, is huge. I mean, look at what he did last year to uh, to fucking get his team out of a, a complete funk when he grabbed. Uh, Sanford. Yeah, my boy, Sanford. Come on, though. That's my boy. Boston College boy. I had him living next to me in St. Louis. I was fucking sharing little whiskeys with him after the game. (laughs) If practice fights gets you two-year extensions, Broadway, I should have had a few extra extensions through my career because I had a practice fight every one or two a year. (laughs) (laughs) You'd still be playing. How about uh, the Calgary Flames? The Calgary Flames did not live up to par. Uh, In the first round, they showed some, some magical stuff. Johnny Hockey doing his thing. Monaghan played well in the first round, but uh, it seemed like they were pretty easy to push out in this. Uh... Sure is, and there's going to be lots of questions up there in uh, Alberta, and I know you guys probably might have the answer to it. Is it time for Monaghan and Goudreau to move on? Do they got to screw up that core there, break it up, and get some new pieces in there? Or is this the team that they can win with? It doesn't seem like it's working right now, but what do you guys think, Oops. Yeah, it's a great point. And listen, I love Sean Monaghan. I played with him his rookie year. Um, he's an unbelievable kid. He was one of those kids that came in as our first rounder and was almost too quiet. Like, eventually, like, after a month, a month and a half, I'm like, hey, Monty, like, you know, talk a little bit more. We need you. Like, you're going to be the franchise player. And they are. And I, I don't know Johnny Hockey, but I, I've heard great things about him. But I just think it's, I don't think it's either one of their fault. I just think it's maybe not the right mix for those two guys there and it might be time for a change if you ask me with with either Monaghan or Goudreau moving on and bringing another piece in to see if they kind of you know mesh better than these two boys well, they lost their best player too right we're we're I think we're missing the fact that Matthew Tuchuk who exactly is, is the heartbeat of their team and uh pest turned it turned into all-star caliber player provides that team with you know on those cold fucking winter Alberta nights a guy like him can can bring the fight to the whole team right and bring everyone engage everyone into the game and without him fucking buzzing around and being able to do his thing against a you know a team like Dallas it's uh it's unfortunate but i thought it was a good series they just they they didn't have what it takes to uh to move on in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and and there might be some changes in Cowtown. Yeah, time will tell. I mean, Monaghan does have a ten-team no-trade list that kicks in this next season coming up. So, is like the question for them is Goudreau the easier piece to move? He's got two years left at I think like six point seven five mil, which is very I mean, team friendly. He wants out of there, right? I think like he's, I mean, he's an East Coast guy playing yeah, in Canada. Like he wants I mean, playing Philly or <laughs> something. I don't blame him. 
I'll bet you the Islanders are off. They're not one of ten anymore. Yeah. <laughs> winners. Chicks fuck winners, cons. <laughs> Chicks fuck winners, and they are winning. They are buzzing, the Islanders. They yes. are fucking. Plus, sure. I see some new stuff, that new rink coming in, Connolly and Belmont. That looks nice. <laughs> That's going to be a great arena, and there will be a Gold Sports Cafe in the new Belmont. I'll have an open tab at that Gold Sports Cafe. What hotel are you going to have to stay at to walk across the old parking lot like the old NASA? I think they're building, they're building something over there. Building they should, they should almost reinvent that walk. Fuck, it was one of the first games. <laughs> it was my first game in the NHL. Playing oh, that NHL. walk's awesome. First game ever, fucking 2002, playing in the Islanders. Agent of coin walked me on the blue line first shift and went in and fucking ripped one off the crossbar. Old Trotsy <laughs> looked at me and said, this ain't junior hockey, kid. <laughs> you you got to fucking learn to play on the walls you want to play in this league. Hey, Broadway, uh, did, you ever, did you ever play in Salt Lake City in the minors? The year I played in the minors, I only played, my first year I was only there for 30 games. And then the next time I played the minors in Wilkes-Barre. So anyways, there's just a story about the walk through the parking lot. I'll be saying, so I'm playing in the minors, my first year pro. And it's probably two football fields from the the, the rink to the to the hotel where to we were staying. To the shitty airport hotel. No, to the, yeah, to the <laughs> hotel. So I sleep in, boys, pre-game nap. I sleep in. I go through my alarm. So I got my suit on. And I am, I am fucking running full tilt in my suit. And who's ahead of me? Grant Fuhrer is their goalie coach. So I'm fucking digging, trying to get to the game. I run by Fierzy. I'm like, hey, Fierzy, how you doing, buddy? And he's like, don't worry, kid. Could happen to anybody. <laughs> I'm just digging in my suit. By Grant Fuhrer, I'm like, fuck. The only good thing about that hotel, other than being like close to the rink, was that you get all those international... Uh, Flight attendants. <laughs> the bar would be just the up dog. Those, those KLM outfits. Oh no, man, hat up dog. Nice if there's oh, broads yeah. around, you know where they are, buddy. Great airline. Great yeah, it's a great, great airline. airline. Real cool. <laughs> Let's so, talk Dallas Stars. I'm going Dallas Stars, and we're talking these guys. Fuck. fuck. Sagan, oh, who we all know, fucks. And he just got his first goal the other night. So. Watch out. Yeah, Hanson yeah. Heads up. Rope Hanson on him. Bastard. Yeah, so their lineup. And listen, I forgot. I got the Avs coming to win the West, and they look like that's not going to happen. But let's let's talk Dallas. So our boy Updog went on a PTO. And listen, he had a hell of a camp. I watched the game against Colorado. He was buzzing. The next day, I get the phone call. You never want your best buddy to tell you you just got released. So they let him go, and I thought it was a bad idea. And then a couple nights later, the, the Camus might have been flying at Upshaw's house, or I don't know what he was drinking that <laughs> was night. about a month later. About a month later, sorry. The season had started. Hey, so they got off to a tough start. So the Updog said, hey, at da-, he tweeted this, sorry. Hey, at Dallas Stars, I'm not, <laughs> I know a guy who's fired up and ready to get you guys out of that one-for-seven funk you're in. He's two and all wearing victory green with a highlight game winner. <laughs> Talk us through that. Oh boys, oh, I loved I it, it, up dog. You guys know the rehab I went through. I fucking I, I got a call in the middle of summer from Vern Fiddler, and he said, "Listen, I need you to go into Dallas to Stars training camp. I'm going to get you a tryout there." You know, he was working with the team at the time, and basically said, "You're everything they need. If you're healthy and you're feeling good, go in, give it, give it your best, and you know, fuck, leave a good impression. You never know what happens." This is Mister PTO, fucking. You know, my style that I've had the last four or five years of my career. So anyways, I knew at the time what I could bring to the table. And I, I felt this was a good veteran team could use a little spark, a little energy on their back, on their back end. Back end, me and the bottom six forwards. A little glue guy in the dressing room. A little glue guy. And you should have a glue guy. Basically, to just inject energy in their fucking room, in their lineup every night. You don't need to inject energy into downtown Dallas. There's enough good energy going around Dallas. (laughs) That that city fucks. Which was Oh, that Crescent Hotel. That's a top-notch hotel. But listen, they add Pavelski. They add Perry. Does Pavelski fuck, Uppy? Does Pavelski fuck? 
Pavelski. Pavelski, does he fuck? How do you say his name? He is, he marbles yeah. in your mouth. Pavelski <laughs> is, he, he doesn't fuck like you fuck. <laughs> but I tell you what, and he plays better golf than you. I fuck. He is a hell of a golfer. But he is an incredible leader. And I mean, he doesn't even wear, he doesn't even wear a letter in that room. But what he's brought to the table is what we're experiencing when we watch these games. His energy, I think he's leading the, he might be leading the league and I don't know this, but he might be leading the league in points right now. Goal after goal, takes a penalty last night in the game. Uh, to, to go down 2 nothing and comes out and fucking scores a 5-on-3 goal, sets up another tie game, and then the Dallas Stars keep rolling. Boys, they've scored 17 goals the last three games and pretty much a <sighs> firehouse and offensive firehouse in the NHL right now. But uh, basically, getting back to what I said, sports is all about having an opinion. And I had not only had an opinion about the Dallas Stars when they started shitty, um, because I felt like, you know what, fuck, if I was there, I'd try to help them out of this. And I truly meant that. But what they've done to turn the season around is what the St. Louis Blues did the year before. Uh, they have fucking guys playing great hockey. Alex Radulov didn't have a great year, but now he's, he's a beast in the playoffs and he's an incredible player, an incredible guy. And fuck, I just love seeing them. They're kind of like this dark horse right now. None of us really expected them to do what they're doing. And now they got the Colorado Avalanche down too. And fucking on the brink. Oh yeah, Uppy. How? I'm speaking of Radulov with his three goals um, in this series so far. Did you see last night when he scored? He took that puck. He's like just in the right spot front to hits him. When they zoomed in on the bench though, and he had the blood in his mouth, he just looked like one of the craziest Russians I've ever seen. I was <laughs> laughing my ass off when they cut into him there. He's a full fucking gremlin. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's right from Russia. He's a gremlin. I played with him when he was a rookie. He came over and he'd be out in practice. After practice, his dad at the time would come live with him. His dad would be out teaching or like showing him these drills. He'd be doing one-on-one -on -one fucking crazy drills, unbelievable stuff with the puck, but he is a full competitor. I remember Hitchcock when we'd play the Dallas Stars in the playoffs and Hitch would always have these methodical you used to call jamie ben the eye of the snake you gotta fucking <laughs> cut the eye of the snake head off boys he leads that fucking team well then when radulov came in and then hitch ended up coaching him uh hitch said there's not enough money in this league you can't pay a guy like that to be on your team because he's an he's a russian that actually works hard and engages physically yes and basically would say that to try to get tarasenko to really like up his physical play because when he when tarasenko would play physical He'd be a fucking beast. You exactly. couldn't handle him. But Radulov is, uh, you know, I, I just, it's good to see. They have just an older team and fucking older teams win hockey games. They win championships. <laughs> these yeah, fucking, fucking veterans. They do. Veteran right. guys. You don't have these young kids making 10, 11 million dollars going out and changing fucking series by their play, by their physical play. You need a good veteran hockey club that leads by example and Fucking Dallas Stars is a typical team that's doing it right now. St. Louis Blues, the Washington Capitals, the Pittsburgh Penguins all have leaders who are older guys and who fucking lead by example. Yep, and that's exactly what that Pavelski is. He is just a veteran guy who's played in the playoffs basically every year of his career when he was playing in San Jose. Like, that guy understands what it takes to win. And you know what? He looks like he's got tons of energy playing with this Dallas Stars team. And I, I just, I mean, like, I, like you said, I had Colorado win in this series. But, yeah, me I mean, too. shit, I, Dallas, they just look so good. I mean, Nathan McKinnon is buzzing for Colorado. He's got five points on all five of their goals that they scored. 
But I mean, I just, this Dallas team is like you said, they got the veteran leadership and they're playing with that energy. The, the older guys are bringing the energy. And then the young guys follow. Heskinen follows. See, I mean, he doesn't exactly. follow. He actually skates past everyone. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he <laughs> but, but Dennis Garyanov, Rope Hint. Gary Hanoff. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> he, he, had four score, he had four goals. Right? Yeah. And he's a young kid that was question marked whether he could cut it this year. He's a great minor league guy, younger kid. They needed to put him in the lineup somewhere, but they weren't sure if he could be a top six. And now he's now he's bringing the heat. Four goals. I think tying our little rookie record that our boy Joffrey Lupul had back as a rookie. But he, uh, you know, four goals in playoff game uh, is no joke. And they got fucking guys all over the lineup doing that. Yeah, and I'm going to give some love to uh, Kudobin and Ned. I played with, the, I call him the Mad Russian. Oh, he's played a great with, guy. I played with him in San Diego. He's a beauty. He's come in and played well. Uh, the only one story about the Mad Russian, we were in San Diego. We were the only guys on NHL teams. So we rented a house in, in Big Bear. And I invited some of my girlfriends of mine to come up and a couple other guys. And he invited three of his Russian buddies to come. Uh, I was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like three Russian dudes. Okay, Gobes, I'll give you first night, all four of them in the hot tub, drinking the champagne. I wake up in the morning, hot tubs not covered up, so it's freezing. Champagne's <laughs> all gone. Next morning, I'm like, Dobbs, your buddies, they got to go. So, not <laughs> Rush is a great guy, but that was a tough start for the, for the, for the all-star break for the boys. But um, let's move into the, the old milk carton segment, boys, here. My milk carton, I'm going, it's, it's, it has to do with last series, but uh, I'm going to go with Taylor Hall. Um, listen, he, he came, he was a big trade deadline or pre-trade deadline pick up for the Coyotes. Uh, he just didn't bring it, in my opinion. And I thought Arizona played well. We talked about Richardson. I thought their team dug in and he just didn't bring it. And um, another thing about Taylor Hall, we, we took him to Coachella one year. We took him to every party, got him in. No one gives a fuck about hockey at Coachella, as we all know. I mean, I wouldn't have got in some of the parties with Connolly back in the day, but we bring this <laughs> kid to every party. And then I find out later that he's chirping me in Liverpool. So Taylor Hall, you're on my milk carton. <laughs> I mean, you play with him, Jimmy. What's what's your I, thought? I, I got along with him very well. I liked him a lot, actually. He was a guy that, like, I feel bad for the guy because he's got this track record of the teams that he's going to and the teams like struggling, haven't won. But he's a guy that is just a full-on competitor. He works hard. He wants to win. He has a drive. But that year, New Jersey, we made the playoffs. We made the playoffs because of him. He was a wagon that year. And it was very, very impressive to watch him every single day. Because I heard stuff about it, like you said. like, But I thought he was a guy that was, you know, like, uh, got to figure it out. And it's like, I hate hearing stories like that. It's on my milk carton, Broadway. Who's on your milk hey, yeah, carton? He didn't play, he didn't play that well. Carton. I bet he admit it. But on my milk carton, I've been dogging this Washington Capitals team. But... I'm going right back to them because I'm going to put their owners on the milk carton. They look like the biggest idiots firing Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz is a guy that every team that has him, they just keep winning. Every player loves playing for him. He's a coach that is loved by all his players. And look at this Islanders team. Like, you're telling me they were going to beat Philly for nothing in the first game? I would have said, fuck you. I had him as a rookie. And as a younger guy, you can't appreciate coaches, A, a, a when you're younger. Exactly. Um, for, for actually how they are and how they treat the older veterans, which is what hockey's all about. It, it, it starts with the coaches uh, treating their players and then the veteran guys bringing it down to the rookies. But anyways, Trotzi used to be, he was hard on me as a rookie. He used to tell me all the time, I, 
I know what's going on. I need you fucking engaging. You and Tutu will be running around fucking the tin roof on all the Banging <laughs> the whole Sunday. city of Nashville. So he also used to do this thing. He'd, he'd come in. And this is not a knock Barry Trotz at all. I love Trotzy. I had him at the World Championships once too as an assistant coach. And, you know, I still still text him to this day. Fucking great guy. But he'd come in and he always used to put, Jimmy, you know this because you played on the fourth line a few times. But there'd oh, be yeah. four guys <laughs> on the lineup on the on the whiteboard. There'd be... First line, second line, third line, and then fourth line. But there'd be four guys. The so worst. all four guys would have to go out for warm-ups. You didn't know during the day if you were going to play. You had to prepare like you were playing. It's it's one of the worst feelings as a pro athlete. Anyway, Trotsy would come in right after warm-ups. You'd be sitting fucking there. He already sweated at warm-ups. He'd come in and he'd look around. And then he'd go up to the whiteboard and just go, Upshaw, not tonight. <laughs> and he'd just fucking wipe my name off the board and I'd be like, Fuck! Like, <laughs> get in the gym for a workout, kid. Oh, oh that's God. the worst. Right, so, who's on your milk carton, up dog? My milk carton, boys, is Claude Giroux, and I, I play with Giroux. But the Philadelphia Flyers right now have all the tools to win a Stanley Cup, and they need their best guys going. They're getting the best goaltending in the league right now with Carter Hart. Uh, he had a you know a little mishap in Game One, but a guy like Claude Giroux, who is known to be fiery, be feisty, be competitive, score goals, be the best be the best power play performer every night. He needs to be able to do things five on five that he's not doing right now. And in order for the Philadelphia Flyers to get past a hot Islanders team, Giroux's got to get off the back of that milk carton. He, <laughs> yeah. he, he has to. Listen, Philly, I love you. Get on Giroux. We need him to be better. He, he's a guy, I want to see the fucking Philadelphia Flyers win a Stanley Cup. I think it'd be one of the coolest fucking things again to see. Sorry, Connolly. But, <laughs> you know, it starts with the captain. Go out, yep. beat someone up. He's a fiery f- fucking Frenchman. I know he's like tough. he did that he's first shit. That you're he's he's fiery. He is fiery. He's he ain't fiery. He's fiery. So Only his beard is fiery. That's what he's fucking fiery. <laughs> no, but I agree with you. He needs to check in to the bubble. Boys, it was fun just there throwing some fucking good stories around shooting the shit. A lot of playoff hockey happening as we do these podcasts. You know, once a week. Uh, East Coast, it's baby. Been, it's been great. So a lot of a lot of things happen in the league that we'll touch on. Uh, we enjoy bringing you guys our, our our thoughts on you know who's doing the fucking and who's on the milk carton, who's winning games, who's playing good. Yeah, always a pleasure up here with you boys. And yeah, like I said, we'll dip into the, the series that are just starting. And obviously the Avs are in one right now. Dallas looks good. I know you like Vegas, so we'll touch on Vegas next week. But um, yeah, this is when you're getting to see the teams that are legit. And the Islanders, man, fuck, they look good in the East. And uh, I, I like the Bruins. The Bruins found their game. So what are you thinking, Broadway? Yeah, and it's always fun catching up with you guys and talking hockey. And I think that Boston Bruins team is starting to buzz. They got their <laughs> big dogs going. Pasternak's back, and he's scoring goals. Like, Kretschy's finding them back during the power play. I mean, I still like the Flyers cons. So I don't know. I mean, you, I know you got the Islanders, but, I mean, blood is blood. But, hey, those big dogs got to get going for the Flyers, or it's going to be a long series for them. And either way, just in closing on my end, you know, that series is far from over. Tampa Bay, you know, they're down. That's still going to be a series. Islanders, Flyers are still a series. And next time we jump on the mics, we'll have some uh, we'll have some results so we can really dig in next week. Damn right, we'll we will. It's probably a time for you to change your pick if you want. My pick? Oh, yeah. I'm going Barkley style on TNT. I'm changing my picks from the the Bruins are coming out of the East, I think. But Ooh. what do I know? I mean, the Islanders. Yeah, yeah, off he's the wagon. Stop drinking and jump off our wagon too, eh? Flowers ain't happy. We'll get into it next week. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, another great episode of Missing Curfew. Kevin Connolly, thanks for having us here at Action Park Studios. Always first class. Obi and I are going to go have some lunch at Pasteo. Uh, enjoy a little afternoon here in Hollywood. Jimmy. 
I'm gonna go change some diapers. Bo's probably took a nice dump upstairs and I can't golf today, so I'll be changing diapers. All right, fellas, good stuff. We'll see you next week.